0: From the Sixth and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
2: Just like that, the final hour is here. Outkick360. Glad you're with us, streaming live at Outkick.com and across the Outkick Network. From Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up, SEC news and notes from scrimmages over the weekend. And we'll dive into the Auburn Tigers and discuss the key factor for determining success versus failure as they go into their season. Lincoln Riley, of course, now the head coach at USC. He's out west along with his quarterback, Kalen Williams, who followed. And Williams says he's ready to to handle the pressure that comes with being quarterback for the Trojans and, and handle the pressure that comes with expectations now that both he and his head coach are there. And Riley, in part, is there, according to an Oklahoma insider through USA Today and their network, uh, Keegan Renau. Um, it's Renau Renault. He, in a quote about what pushed Riley West from Oklahoma, came down to a perception of how he felt he would be treated when it came to facilities and keeping up with the SEC. Not with the Big 12, but the SEC. And the quote here from Renault I think Lincoln felt that if I'm not going to get this building I'm not going to get this amount of staff I'm not going to get this amount of trainers or nutritional staff if I'm not going to get all the things that Alabama and Georgia and A&M at and Tennessee and Florida have if I can't have that then we're going to be behind and we're already behind that perspective of Lincoln is going to is going unnoticed because that to me tells me that Oklahoma failed in giving Lincoln the confidence that they had the resources and all the things that we've talked about with Brent Venables and donors and boosters. You look at the bigger staff that Venables got. Oklahoma had these things. They were ready to do it. But were they ready to do it Lincoln-Riley's way? I think that's the conversation that we ended up having here. Oklahoma, for some reason, maybe felt reserved to give their golden boy everything that he wanted. And he goes on to go in through, Riley was not scared to compete in the SEC if he was going to compete in the SEC From the Oklahoma perspective that's what surprises me and part of this is me me saying that's a very easy excuse because we've seen Oklahoma win at a high level but Riley's also said like I coached and was a part of a group and we've seen Oklahoma get to the college football playoff and then there was a great divide between us and the SEC and for whatever reason he did not feel as though Oklahoma would be all in the way it takes to be all in at that level. Surprising but, or no?
1: It's surprising, but it not not so much surprising because he made the move and left for USC, so he seems like a guy who's trying to find the perfect spot to dominate. Yeah. And if you're going to go dominate somewhere, you take the USC job and go dominate the Pac-12, you're you're not going to dominate the SEC unless you're Nick Saban and he's not. So, he's not going to go in the SEC and dominate, even at a great program like Oklahoma. I'm not saying he's ducking competition or he's afraid of it, but I do find it odd that everything he's talking about wanting, it was basically given to Brent Venables moving forward with what they wanted with staff and everything else. What
2: this guy was saying, though, was from what he's heard and what he felt, Riley was looking for those guarantees – and they wouldn't, Not getting it. they wouldn't put it in writing. So
0: the question is, like, my question when I hear something like that is, all right, were you kind of taking your guy for granted? And then when you lose him, do you wake up and then say to Venables, hey, we'll give you what you need to do what we weren't doing that helped us lose Riley. So I'm curious about the answer to that question. Does Venables come and say, hey, I know he was – you know, lured by the job. It wasn't hard for him to say yes, but does he come kind of saying, hey, we need to do, you know, X, Y, and Z to keep up with the Joneses. That's part of why you lost your guy and let's get to work. Or is he coming in fully accepting the deficient, quote unquote, deficiencies that Riley was upset about? That's a very interesting thing to me that we don't necessarily get an immediate answer to. Well, and also... (laughs)
1: Oklahoma is not a program that wants someone that's going to leave for another job. Like this, it, this sounds yeah. arrogant of me to say, but that's not a program accustomed to having hired someone that's even flirting with another job. Bob Stoops wasn't entertaining other oh. jobs while he was at Oklahoma. So when they have success, I, I think the powers that be at Oklahoma are thinking, "Dude, we're not going to promise you anything other than the gobs of money we're paying you now. Like, who are you to to make all these demands?" and who did they go and hire? They didn't hire some hot shot proven head coach. They hired some dude who came in and said, "I would die for this job." Yeah. There's no this is my final resting place. I will die right here in Norman, Oklahoma on the job if I have to. That's who Brent Venables if you'll is. Let me. He wouldn't even leave Clemson as defensive coordinator when given a chance, and he finally left for this job. So I think some of it is that, you know, you you go the opposite way with a coaching hire, so they went defense from offense with Lincoln Riley, but they also went with a guy who they know is not going to leave them. I think that's part of it. I just don't think that they're they're equipped to match. When, someone come, when a coach comes and says, I'm considering leaving for this job, give me this, this, and this, Oklahoma says, go. We'll hire someone else that wants to be here. I, I think that's still their mindset there. And it's because they haven't been left at the altar up until Lincoln
2: Riley left them at the altar. Can Caleb Williams be the fire starter for USC? Because there is the expectation that they are about to take what was a program low. They went 4-8. and That's the worst record in 31 years at USC. They're about to go from that to Pac-12 championship game caliber with Riley and with Williams and through the transfer portal and by taking Oklahoma's, essentially their staff, their nutritional staff, their trainers, all that went with them. Uh, Caleb Williams pointed that out as why, one of the reasons why he chose to just leave and go with Riley is that everyone he was familiar with and everyone he enjoyed playing around and with was headed there too. If they do that, so so the NCAA record for the biggest turnaround from one year to to, to the next is Hawaii with June Jones. It was like 99 and 2000 or 98 and 99 where they didn't win a game and then won like nine games the following year. And that's still the record. And uh, June Jones was interviewed for a piece at CBS about the USC program. And he said, look, they are at a point where they are, again, a title contender without even seeing a game because he saw what he saw at Oklahoma and he saw the quarterback. And he said that the, biggest, the biggest emphasis is that the quarterback went with him. And now he gets to start with a head start. Now, he's not starting over, but... Really that's what Oklahoma's been known for recently. They get the transfer of quarterbacks to come in from Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts, Caleb Williams, I mean, uh, and others. You get the you get the quarterbacks to come in and then transfer with you with the with the coach coming in and making something of the talent that joined you.
0: The thing about What June Jones did, though, is he he brought a run and shoot, which is vastly different, right? You can Mm -hmm. call it a gadget or whatever, but it's dramatically different than standard thing. Lincoln Riley's taken his offense, very good offense, but it's not like some unforeseen and never-before-seen or you're going to have to do some massive prep to get ready for this thing that's outside of the ordinary. So, I, I mean, I think Lincoln Riley has success at USC. How fast is the question? You know, is it immediate, or does it take a year or two?
1: I still – I think – I understand, you know, what Caleb Williams is saying. It's, it's different being in, at USC than Oklahoma, but, I mean, if you're ready for the pressure at Oklahoma as a starting quarterback, you're ready for the pressure at USC. And he – the only difference is – And he was you know, great last year <laughs> when he came in. <laughs> yeah, the weather, and you're in a big city. But, I mean, the the atmosphere, it was a lot tougher at Oklahoma in games in the Big 12 than the atmosphere you're going to see in the Pac-12. So,
2: I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. And that's
1: no big departure for
2: him. Well, and he he went on to say, USC is a blue blood of college football. It's as simple as that. He said, teams and organizations, they have fought moments. We are here trying to turn that around. So uh, it, the turnaround could be quick because in the top 25 released today, the AP top 25, they're ranked 14th. Um, so uh, keep that in mind. From From four wins to now a preseason rank at 14, ahead of Michigan State, ahead of Miami that could have and and should, uh, based on the hype, should have a first-round caliber quarterback at Miami. Pitt, I mean, they're ahead of all these programs that are coming off strong seasons, and we saw SC at the depths of of anything we've seen in three decades. And because Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams are there, they are not only 14th, they're five spots behind Oklahoma in the preseason top twenty-five.
1: I mean, the, the, if you wanted to get some long odds, I, I would take them as a playoff team. Yeah, because I, I mean, based on perception, would I and be where they're shocked playing? if Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley ran the table in the Pac-12 and they were better than Utah and Oregon or beat because Utah and Oregon are both in the North? You know, beat one of those teams in the Pac-12 championship and snuck their way in. To the college football playoff, I, lo- I, love, I I would look at that. I love. What, I'd like to know what the odds are of them being a
2: playoff team. I, I love that they're embracing the the big city feel. I know it smells uh, sounds small time, but they're not bowing away from. Oh, this is this is just the the next college football job. Uh, Lincoln Riley's saying, "You don't come to USC and you don't come to Los Angeles to do things small. You've got to sight, uh, set your sights big." By saying that, he's embracing. They expect, I, I love that part of it. Like You're not downplaying it and waiting a year and saying, hey, we, we're inheriting something where we won four games a year ago. It's not that at all. Maybe it, maybe that works its way in whenever the losing starts, but I, I love the way that they've started the momentum there. So does the media based on the poll. It's
1: wherever you go, you're looking for the, the right message for your location when you're in recruiting and you're college football. If you are the coach who bolted from Oklahoma after going to multiple college football playoffs, why did you bolt? You bolted for Hollywood. Yeah. You bolted for the quote unquote big time. I yeah. consider debate USC. square foot mansion. Yeah, I, I'm gonna debate <laughs> USC being a bigger program than beach. Oklahoma, it's not. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna say that they are, but LA is certainly bigger than Norman. Yeah. So what am I gonna sell now while well, I'm selling exactly that, that this is the big time in Los Angeles?
2: Carson Wentz with uh, a a last chance moment uh, with uh, the Washington Commanders. Uh, Chad, you sent this to us over the weekend and watching. It's a short clip. We've got it. You're going to hear it here. uh, Where um, there's a reporter that sits down with Carson Wentz at training camp. And it's the it's the local D.C. ABC affiliate. As yes. A reporter. I don't have the
1: reporter's name in front of me. I can tell you this. Dan Dockage is going to have him on the show tomorrow. OK. On Don't At Me. Dylan Taylor was telling us that before the show today. So that's a nice get to interview this. I call him a kid. Uh, it's kind of hard to tell just how old yeah, the reporter is. He's, he's a not, little more than a kid. He's not young. Yeah. I'd say he's probably 30s, maybe early 30s. Probably. You'd say.
2: Yeah. Early to late 30s. But I, I mean, that's me thinking I'm still young in late 30s. So.
1: Yeah, I, yeah,
2: I, I struggle with that, too. Heart.
1: Yeah, when, when you hit the big four zero, it's really different. It's uh, like, oh, well. It's so it's not, kids not at Here's the local yeah, Washington really
2: Commander's ABC affiliate with two questions to Carson Wentz that were very direct.
1: There's been kind of a narrative out there here in training camp that you've been a little inaccurate um, on your throws. Uh, consistently inconsistent has been a kind of a terminology. How would you assess your performance in training camp? And is that characterization... Uh, fair. Yeah I mean for one it's camp you know I think uh, I didn't know that so thank you. Yeah because I know know you told me you don't read that stuff. At the same time uh, I'm my biggest critic so I I come back after practice and I'm kicking myself over one two three four five plays you know. Real talk here Carson it's been well documented Philly didn't want you Indy didn't want you. Do you think this is your last chance to prove that you can be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yeah you know I don't really think about all that stuff. For me, I'm playing the game that I love, and I have the most confidence of anybody in myself to deliver, to play at a high level, um, to, you know, be a part of something special here with this team. And so I don't, I don't put all that pressure on myself. I don't put, you know, people can, can feel that way. People can say what they want, and uh, I have no issue with that. You know, that is what it is. But for me, I don't, I don't think in those terms.
2: So there's Carson Wentz with the answers to the very direct questions. The big takeaway I had watching it on Saturday, Chad, when you sent this was he he says he has no issue with that. Yeah. That's part of the issue with Carson Wentz. Well, it's
1: also funny when he's like, oh, you know, you're going to have maybe one, uh, two, two, three, four, bad plays, five. Bad plays. Three, four, four five, five bad plays. I just love how in his mind, he's thinking about, he's probably thinking about the practice that just ended, and he's like, oh, it's one. To what you said. That's huh? two picks. Oh, there's a third. Oh, crap. Four and five. You have I think five guys bad plays.
0: overdo the chip on their shoulder thing. He underdoes yeah. the chip. There's no, yeah, nothing, nothing on his shoulder. The guy asked the
1: question, I love. Because the deme- first up, very casual. I give him.
2: To- he's not total worried about props. any reaction from yeah. Wentz Total that tells props. You yeah, he's not yeah. going to get hit
1: <laughs> because, like, at least he went about it. Like, we got something to talk about. Most, you know, local yeah. news sit downs are going to be very canned. Yep. There's so a, you took your family to there's Disney. There's a media relations person standing right over the shoulder of the guy. You know, wrapping it up right. in ninety Why seconds, this a two minutes. is good for you? Whatever. Yeah, yeah just yeah. very open ended. Like this guy, at least went into it with something. Like, hey, real talk now. <laughs> I started with that. All right, real talk. Is this your last chance? Do you feel Phil, it? he didn't want you? Do you feel the pressure and that this is your you. last chance? We all feel it. We feel it for you, Carson. Are you feeling that pressure? No, you know I don't even really think about it. At all. <laughs> but the way he, I, I don't. There's. I'm going to be watching this interview tomorrow with with Dockage because I just love the guy, the reporters' overall demeanor with Carson Wentz. That's just kind <laughs> of kicked back like. Dude, I'm going to tell you what we're all saying about you out there. Here's what's being said. What, what are your thoughts?
0: Oh, thanks for telling me. I didn't know. I had no idea. I had no idea that people going on. think I. And I
1: thought Wentz handled himself well. You know, he didn't he did. have any reaction he really did. at all, but he he rolled with it. He could have been gotten bit out oh, of he, shape. No, he, and he rolled he with it. He was
2: fine. But um, there therein lies a great example of how the the Eagles and the Colts both wanted a little more leadership from the guy. A little more. Right? To yeah. Show something. And he didn't really give two thoughts about those organizations not wanting him and kicking him to the curb. There there's something to that that there's an element to that at, at the quarterback spot that you've gotta have.
0: Guys are incredibly Especially,
2: and yes, this is his last opportunity to prove that he's the unquestioned starter of any a team in the league in August.
0: Next job's a backup. He'd be lucky to be competing with the rookie somewhere. Uh, but it's probably a back.
2: And he's allowed to prove it. And 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 last year he he wasn't awful, but he also he wasn't, wasn't clutch exactly. And there there's a there's a grit to the position that just isn't all there all the time. And well, specifically with Wentz. that that's what's held him back from staying in Philly and staying in Indy and winning a game on the road in Jacksonville being and not, in the not having this type of conversation.
1: Wentz would have gone a long way towards being back in my eyes if he would have responded to the guy and said, I don't know, do you feel like this is your last opportunity at this local affiliate in D.C. to finally nail it as a sports reporter? That would have been a great I mean, comeback in a joking way. <laughs> is this your last chance? I mean, I'm not sure. Fi- well, it's all our last chances. I, what if he said, I, I treat every day like it's my last chance. Do you? Do you are you treating this yeah, job like it's your last
0: chance of being on TV? There are a lot of ways to handle that.
1: He went the very. That he
0: didn't choose. He was a minimalist.
1: He went the neutral route, right? I'm just gonna answer this like it's a standard question I get all the time, and, and not we'll get worry out about of here. it. Yep. <laughs> then I'm gonna get back to the locker room.
2: That, that's part of the problem, man. The uh, the the Wince conundrum. Just say that you've heard the talk and you want to prove people wrong. That'll shut a lot of people up.
0: Yeah, perhaps he's
1: uh, hearing impaired.
2: Or things are really looking bad for him in water. Or, like
1: I said, just come back and said, "I treat every opportunity like it's my last one." You don't know when this is going to end in this game. You know, Billy. So this is the way I've treated my entire career. This this may be it. Who knows? But I'm going to treat it that way and work hard to prove people wrong. You
0: know, Billy. I spend my life walking around in noise canceling headphones. <laughs> I don't hear a damn thing.
1: A, he's like John Calipari. I'm going to just coach my team and block out the clutter.
2: That's what I'm going to do. What I've done my entire career. We've got SEC news and notes for you. Alabama scrimmage. There's a wide receiver uh, battle in uh, in Tuscaloosa. We'll tell you about uh, a note on Georgia. Plus, our SEC spotlight today: Auburn, uh, the Auburn Tigers. We discuss the quarterback position and an area to watch at that spot for determining whether or not we look at this team as a successful 2022. That's next. And now, Kick 360. A few SEC notes for you. Outkick 360 rolls on. Alabama held their first scrimmage. Uh, from Aaron Suttles and his reporting, the first three wide receivers in three wide, Ja'Cory Brooks, Sean Holden, and Jermaine Burton. Tyler Harrell not in that group. Um, Brooks had a couple of drops in the scrimmage that would have been a touchdown or touchdowns, but he continues to impress in other moments of camp. He and Bryce Young, speaking of Jacori Brooks, they have developed a great chemistry, according to the reporting in Tuscaloosa. Saban says the scrimmage was sloppy, way too many penalties. Tell me if you've heard this before from me last week about describing their season. Way too many penalties, undisciplined penalties, offsides on defense, illegal formations, penalties on special teams. He quote, at this point, we need to practice to improve on a lot of things to play winning football. Sounds like bad coaching. That from Nick Saban. Can't get his
0: guys lined up, uh,
2: Paul. Uh, that bad coaching just won the SEC and went to the national title, oh, having the same problems last year. I know. Um, Auburn under the lights on Saturday night. TJ Finley having a good scrimmage. He operated the offense well, according to his head coach. He led a 14-play drive to open the scrimmage. Harson said, "Quote: Conceptually, he picked th- he picks things up quickly." He's a coach on the field, and he echoes our points to the rest of the offense. A really good understanding of what we are trying to accomplish. He did miss some layups, though, in this, in this scrimmage. Robbie Ashford is, based on the depth chart of the scrimmage, the second quarterback. Zach Calzada is quarterback number three, and that brings us to our SEC preview, where we discuss the quarterbacks from last year and the addition of Calzada— the fact that Ashford can factor in, and we look at the numbers. They had a 59 complete, uh, completion percentage rank, counting Bo Nix in the group last year. They threw for over 3,000 yards, just 17 touchdowns. That's the second fewest in the conference. That's just more than Vanderbilt in the SEC with 17 touchdowns from the quarterbacks. Four interceptions, 23 sacks taken. 17's not enough. The question is, will they get better quarterback play this year? Can they? Or we'll set the over-under at 25 passing touchdowns this year for a team. For a point of reference, the reason I picked 25, 25 would have ranked 40th nationally. 17 ranked 82nd nationally. So a, a growth to 25 passing touchdowns would move them from below average to average. Can they find average quarterback play from Brian Harson's group, knowing he had an offseason, hit the transfer portal, and they have T.J. Finley right now remaining the starter, and he wasn't that good a year ago. Well, oh. Bo, Bo Nix,
1: I mean, you talked about that. His, stat, his passing statistics have never been great. He's a good athlete playing the position. He's going to be the starter at Oregon, who is a top 20 team nationally. Um, so he's obviously got something, but those numbers are – you mentioned it just ahead of Andy, yeah. In passing offense, I mean it. It, it was that way before Harson got there with Bo Nix also, yep. and then that continued. So can they just be average? I mean, as weird as this sounds, could it be some addition by subtraction with Bo Nix leaving? Uh, we'll see what he does at Oregon this year. What well, can? But it, I mean, what what is that going to mean for
2: the passing offense now? If but it's TJ Finley? isn't it
0: a little skewed though? Didn't they have twenty two rushing touchdowns?
2: Yeah, but the, I'm basing this on quarterback play. They they need they need better play yeah, from the quarterbacks I, 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 overall. I don't
0: disagree with that at all, um, but they were finding a, route into the end zone. The, the, Inconsistent the fact, though, and,
1: and, and inaccurate would be what I, how I'd describe Bo Nix a lot of times.
2: So I'm taking the under, by the way. Yeah, I am too. I'm taking the under because you have a coach fighting for his job and maybe he doesn't really want it. I'm, I've yet to figure that part out. Because I think they, they, it has brought them together internally. I'm not sure what that means when they go on a losing streak in the regular season. Nothing. Um, they're giving the first team reps to TJ Finley, who we've seen with Harson, And while they're praising him for a 14-play drive, a methodical drive, and he gets credit for that, um, what, I, what I don't hear are descriptions of being a game-changer. What I hear is, well, he's, he's a coach on the field, and he knows what we're asking these quarterbacks to do. I hope you're asking more from T.J. Finley than what you did a year ago, and I'm not hearing that. So that's why I'm taking the under. And, and guys, uh, Robbie Ashford was the starter for A-Day. He was the MVP. I Should, shouldn't say starter. He's the MVP of A-Day in the spring. He needs to go win this job for them to have the, a chance at the over here. Because I think we know what T.J. Finley is. Zach Calzada, I mean, he he had his glorious moment by helping A&M beat Alabama. And he's the reason why A&M lost to Arkansas. And Zach Calzada has not won a college quarterback battle. And he's third string right now. Not to say he can't move up, but, I mean, the clock's ticking a bit. This is... We're 28 days away, less now, uh, what, 21 days away now from kickoff. Vanderbilt's two weeks away. Um, I'm, I'm I'm, down on the descriptions that I've heard, even though um, I think Ashford gives them a better chance, and I hope his development shows that he's more suited for the job because we've seen Finley. We haven't seen as much from Robbie Ashford.
1: They, they lose their top – let's just go through the list here. And look, we like sports because crazy, unexpected yeah, things happen. Yeah. But let's look at what we know about Auburn. They had an offseason where boosters tried to get their coach fired and failed. And that coach is now in February. back in an awkward situation. They lost their top three pass catchers from an offense, a passing offense that already was pretty inept. They lose their starting quarterback. Again, maybe addition by subtraction. We'll find out. But he's going to be the starter to top 20 team in Oregon. He's gone. Your defensive coordinator who almost won you the Iron Bowl, Derek Mason – former Vandy head coach, bolts not just for a lateral position at Oklahoma State, a huge pay cut. The man took far less money to get the hell out of the Plains and not work for Brian Harson. He had to elevate his former defensive coordinator at Boise State, who served as linebackers coach a year ago at Auburn. They lose Smoke Monday and Roger McCreary from a really good secondary. I'm looking at this roster and looking at this situation thinking, this team is dead by late September, early October. They are dead in the water already. And I don't I don't see any route for them to be successful. They're
0: counting I, don't. I, I they're counting on guys who didn't like it at Oregon, didn't like what was incoming at Oregon to be good. Ashford starting with Ashford, Jason Jones defensive tackle who's a big guy in the middle, and DJ James a cornerback to help replace those guys you talked about losing. I don't know what the pipeline to Oregon is, but it's their main incoming Transfer portal place.
1: The the exodus from Auburn will start when Penn State goes down there and houses them early in the season. was a and good game last year. That is it's when interest likely this year. Interest will wane on that roster so once
2: that loss happens. Robbie Ashford's a freshman. He's a transfer. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, but in in this era, and especially with the situation being what it is at Auburn, where you feel like there's a new staff there next year. To me, it's malpractice not to take advantage of the transfer portal in a better way at that position. To not be able to upgrade after you've had 12 months to know that you're desperate for an upgrade there when a ton of, a ton of talent is looking to move just for the sake of moving. Like, they'll just, musical chairs now at the position of college football quarterback and to stick with, and T.J. Finley's a backup quarterback. Like we've seen, To me, we've seen enough of T.J. Finley uh, and if it's started addition, three games a year ago, if it's a if it's addition by subtraction, he should have been starting more games over Bo Nix, and instead Bo Nix is now at, at Oregon, and TJ Finley just takes over and is getting praised for being a game manager. Basically, is what they're praising him for in this scrimmage. Um, I I turn it over to the young guy and see if you can't get a find a spark.
0: Well, here's if, how:
2: if you're going to wait on that, you're waiting on. That, to me, the, the time's up by the time you, you put him into the game and turn things over yeah, to him.
0: I don't think they're going to be good. But if you're game managing, start here, third down. Last nine games where they didn't convert at least 30%, percent and 9 So you got to move the chains. We're not expecting big plays. We're not expecting them to throw it into the end zone very often. We're taking the under on the number that Hutton set. But at least move the chains and give yourself a chance. Get over 30%.
1: It's it's going to be an all time back from the dead coaching job if Brian yep.
2: Harson us against the can world can
1: get them to eight or nine wins and save his job. Yeah, I mean I really believe that. In, in I don't that, even know if that. Saved Otherwise, in the, in they that,
0: forestalled, forestalled the inevitable, which we all thought was dumb when they did it.
2: Yeah, it no, just saved them for a year. If you have that many people trying to, you know, in the inquiry to try to make sure you can get out, and the only reason is his buyout. I don't know what. Eight wins should have made the move. Eight Mercer wins to, does. Eight, I know the schedule sets up for them to be four and zero. Mercer,
1: no, it doesn't. Mercer, it can. San Jose State. It, I think. I think Penn State's going to beat them bad. Playing
2: playing um, Jordan Hair is not easy.
1: No, and I think Missouri. The one? We said it's about Missouri and Eli Drinkwitz. Like that's a big game for Missouri. That's a winnable game on the road against against Auburn. You could have, but I would
2: say Auburn would be a slight favorite over Missouri at home you, right now. You could have a potential unbeaten versus unbeaten when they play LSU. And it does. I mean, think about the way Penn State plays. James Franklin plays tight games. Uh, They don't blow anyone out. So I don't. I don't see them going on the road and blowing out Auburn um, at at, uh, Auburn at home. I I don't buy that one bit. Well,
0: just how bad is Auburn? We'll find out.
2: Well, Um, Auburn's. They're good. They're not great. Like they're in games, but they don't have the closeout mentality. Um, You know, uh, Auburn beat Ole Miss last year. Well, so, I mean,
1: the, so the the middle of that division. Like, here's a big one. They're hosting LSU this year. Yeah, like that's that's the type of game in year one that could determine success or failure for Brian Kelly in year one, and it could determine. Brian Harson's job mm-hmm. moving forward, getting them at home.
2: Well, Brian Harson's job is to finish the year.
1: Yeah, this is the, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> uh, the tale of two Bryans will take place at Auburn so, Stadium uh, hey on. on October Chad, 1st. You're hitting,
2: you're hitting on a theme, though. You think he can save his job with no, eight wins. No, I,
1: I don't. I, I think, I mean, look, with this roster and everything he's faced, any reasonable person would say eight wins, great job. Great job. I mean, you righted the ship to some degree. That. It's better than the year before. No one saw that coming. You lost your quarterback. You lost all these other guys. You came back and you won eight games. I think that's a good job by Brian Arson. I don't think he's going to win eight games. I think this this schedule screams six wins, which six wins will be enough for you know the boosters to finally get their way, and they can fire him and go hire someone else.
2: Well, they nearly got their way. Despite all of that, I, I I just don't. I and based on Harson's the, the whole tenor of SEC Media Days, like there there was just a vibe that he's going to go out and do his job and he, his team's together, but it is his team versus literally everyone else internally. That that was the vibe. It's like, hey, we're not addressing this again. We are closer because of the inquiry. Um, yes, I'm upset. And yes, it affected me and the job we're doing, but we're not addressing it moving forward. We're worried on the upcoming schedule. But I didn't get the same vibe as like, we're continuing to build the program. It was, we're worried about this year. We're worried about getting through this year. That was the tone of Harson, And Harson wants to be in Oregon just like Bo Nix right now. That's the sad part about all this is, I mean if even if
1: Brian Harson successfully rallies his troops to give him 9 wins let's say it's a huge surprise and 9 wins and he can get a job elsewhere that that's what he's you said he's, he's not talking about the long haul he's talking about this season yeah. I'm focused on he's not focused on building a program to today I'm focused on this season with my guys why is that
2: because <laughs> if you're successful it's going to help your chances to get out so, and get another job here's what Harson did last year he beat Arkansas by two possessions he beat Ole Miss by two possessions. Auburn did. Uh, they get handled easily by A and M. They lost. They,
1: they lost a close game at Penn State early on. They,
2: yes, they, I'm going middle of the year here, yeah. down the backstretch. Uh, they lose a tight game in a high scoring affair against Mississippi State. That was at Jordan Hare. It was 43-34 the final. Uh, end of November, they lose to South Carolina by four, 21-17 on the road. They turn around and they lead Alabama 10 nothing with, what, eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter? Uh, end up losing that in triple overtime. If they win that game, based on those results Season that we read, he, there's no inquiry whatsoever. Um, you know, they go le- lose a close one. Ball games are what they are, but they lose 17-13 in the ball game to Houston. Uh, but you're right. It was 28 20, was the final score Penn State over Auburn earlier in the year. Um, they beat LSU on the road last year, and um, Georgia beat them by 24 at home. That's your SEC slate for them. So well, it's th- like last year was pretty good based on our season setup right now. And if they repeat that same thing, he's out, he's done.
1: Yeah, they had the close scare against Georgia State. I remember Georgia State was up late in the fourth quarter of that game yeah. at Auburn, and they ended up winning 34-24. Uh, I, I remembered that game because I'm thinking that was that felt like the start of something bad for Brian Harson. The bottom line with Brian Harson is from everyone you, you will talk to at Auburn is that he just doesn't get along with the power brokers there that well. He doesn't talk to them. He's not their type of guy. And that's rubbed them the wrong way, so they're just looking for Which anything is bad, weird, though, because he was bury. their
2: hand-picked guy. They, he was like this – there was, you know, the, the big parade. We got the Boise guy coming in. And Strange. They went West Coast, and the West Coast guy wants to be back on the West Coast. Yeah. And they would, they want him back on the West Coast. They'll pay for the ticket. Well, plus, I mean, look around at the coaches in the SEC West right now. Like the who's who list of – any era of football over the last 20 years, you start naming off these guys, and they've either been in the SEC or they were you know, doing some, some random stuff at Texas Tech or Washington State that had people talking yeah. as you look around. Um, they're, they're a team, like I want to root for them. I want him to win just to see what happens based on what happened in February. But at the same time, I'm not really sure if there's a result that saves it. Because I think he's also out, and the the big
1: number last year is that the five they, they end the season losing five straight, even with the, the bowl game. So that's that's where you lead into February, yeah. late yeah. January, early February, where the inquiries happening because they're upset.
2: Who uh, Davy Hudson um, brings up a good point, a great question. Who's the least accomplished head coach in the SEC West? Kiffin or Harson? Harson.
0: I mean, last year was pretty good accomplishment because
1: Kiffin. because Kiffin has done a good job at Ole Miss and just simply by being the USC head coach I feel like that getting that job having, I know, having time there yeah, but it was bad but he also they, inherited a mess USC
2: didn't allow him to fly back on their team plane after a loss they said GTFO immediately that that like that was that was rough for him but the 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 one the one area I would give him some benefit is like if he sticks around at Tennessee, they were doing something there. You know, there's a coach reason why people programs. wanted to riot when he left and were so upset with him, and still wanted him back on a different coaching search. Second, so four or five years later, um, there, there's Harson just feels like a West Coast guy. It's just a not not a great fit in the SEC. Kiffin fits the SEC. I'm just trying to see what
1: Harson did at Boise State exactly, other than just be the head coach for seven years. Well. <laughs> they were good. While he was there, but I mean, were they great? And he takes over for Chris Peterson. Yeah. Chris Peterson was great. Great. Chris Peterson did a great job at Washington. I mean, you want to talk about being born on third base, both these guys. Lane Kiffin's the ultimate born on third base coach when you look at his early career. With the jobs he was handed oh. at a very young age. He ed- won the genetic lottery. The least accomplished coach to get the Oakland Raiders job, followed by the Tennessee Vols job, followed by the USC job. That goes to Lane Kiffin. This many years later, he did a good job at Florida Atlantic. He did a great job as offensive coordinator at Alabama. He's done well at Ole Miss. I mean, I'd say it's Kiffin, but it's a great question. I think both of them are close. I think
2: I think the I think
1: Kiffin's more accomplished, I'm saying yes.
2: Initially, I think people would just jump to say Kiffin, but if you think about what Kiffin's truly done versus expectation of the name and where he's been. You know, maybe not, but but again, uh, he's done his best job at Ole Miss. Kiff, you're right. He no, they may be filing an inquiry for something else, but it's not for uh, trying trying to fire him because he nearly beat Alabama and has a 15 million dollar buyout. Well, and think about this: Kiffin left Tennessee under <laughs> NCAA investigation yeah.
1: and went to USC, that was just getting hammered by the NCAA at the time. This was yeah. the, the aftermath of Pete Carroll bolting. For the Seahawks, right? Yes. And all that going on where they got huge penalties when and he, he had took over.
0: Al Davis do an overhead projector presentation against him with the case against him. Uh,
1: that same overhead projector could have been used in Knoxville too. That's ESPN was, uh,
2: by people who were angry. They loved him at the time. But man. ESPN points out that Auburn has the toughest strength of schedule in the country.
1: Uh, that's that's weird to me.
2: Because they get Penn State, but they all I mean I'm sure some of it is they're on Mercer the road didn't for a yeah. few of these now, too, moving forward. They're, they're hosting LSU. They're on the road at Alabama. Um, Mercer. Yeah, Mercer.
1: <laughs> I, I just I, – the more I think about – it's a great question from Davey. The more I think about it, Kiffin's way more accomplished than Harson. Harson was – What was he at Boise State? He was the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, so co-offensive coordinator – from 06 to 10. That that was his first big, relatively big job. He was Texas's co-offensive coordinator for two seasons. Okay. And then he went to Arkansas State for one year and bolted for Boise State when that head coaching job came open. He was there 2014 to 2020. And then Auburn one year. He's 82 and 31 overall, which is a good record. 69 and 19 at Boise. It's pretty good. But... Inheriting the job done by Chris Peterson.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a nice spot to land.
1: What Kiffin's doing at Ole Miss, taking over for the great Matt Luke, I think is a little different yeah. than just being handed the Boise State program in that conference from Chris Peterson. And while uh, I feel like we, while you have Kiffin. I feel like there's a lot of coaches who could do well at Boise State given that situation in their conference.
2: Yeah, at, you kind of have to try to screw it up. And while there's a there's a there's a feel with Kiffin that he while he wants out. I mean, he he's totally fine taking the Miami job for instance. There is a feel with him that he's trying to level up a notch from where he is based on what he's trying to compete with. Harson, it there's it, it's just about to me it just feels like he he's just not a fit unless he's on the West Coast. I could com- completely wrong with the vibe, but um, I'd love to know where else he was trying to get to outside of Oregon whenever jobs were opening up. Um, and there weren't many, to, to, to give him some credit, there weren't many while the inquiry was going on. I mean, it was late in the process. It was
1: just so weird when Harson took that. Like, when it was Auburn hiring him, I'm thinking, that's just an odd fit. I didn't think it's a bad hire, I didn't think he's a bad coach. I'm just thinking that's just a weird fit that the guy – that left Arkansas State after a year to go back home to Boise, where I believe he played quarterback. Yeah, he was quarterback at Boise State,
2: and then goes to Auburn. It just didn't it didn't seem right from the beginning. Mismatched. Hey, congrats to Kirby Smart in Georgia. They can now host recruits for the world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville. That was something he was complaining about not too long ago. Coming up, we tell you about the week ahead with uh, the Bucks coming to town for a joint practice and a huge week. For the Atlanta Braves. Actually, now kick 360.
1: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy.
0: we are do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
2: A lot of joint practices, if they haven't happened for your favorite team already, chances are they're taking place this week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for instance, are traveling to Nashville on Wednesday and Thursday for two joint practices ahead of the preseason game here in Nashville on Saturday. No Tom Brady. Uh, That's been heavily discussed over the weekend as to his whereabouts and what's going on. Maybe we learn more this week, maybe we don't. Uh, I don't know what that means for guys like Mike Williams um or how how many the the veterans uh, chris godwin um how many of the veterans for them will play at wide receiver but it takes away some of the emphasis of ones versus ones for sure uh there are others for instance the vikings hosting the 49ers where trey lance had a phenomenal preseason debut leading a touchdown drive looked very good um so we'll begin to see more storylines develop and play out as I think depth charts from the unofficial preseason release become more official as we see guys rise and fall based on the one-on-one matchups and ones versus ones, good versus good. Uh, Braves and Mets, we get a little good versus great. Mets are unbelievable right now, but the Atlanta Braves have won six straight. I think they won six games last week, and now they host the New York Mets in Atlanta.
0: Chad's confidence Chad, is not high.
1: No,
2: not high against the Mets. They
1: swept the Red Sox in Fidway. They swept the Marlins. Miami, the, Miami is such a difficult place to play. Such great atmosphere every time you head down there. I mean, it is like going to a funeral it's in like that a place. Lions it preseason. is unbelievable how bad the atmosphere is in Miami for baseball, and the, the baseball is bad also for the Marlins. But the Braves swept them this weekend. Four now against the Mets, and then three against the Astros, all in Atlanta two of the best teams in baseball this week so we're going to find out a lot more about the Braves who've had a, had a good year um, I keep saying it takes one great series against the Mets and you're right back in it but I'll believe that series is going to happen when I see it because they've been bad against the Mets so far this year
2: Paul will be rooting for your Braves Spencer Strider on the bump tonight for the Braves I like losses for the Mets join us uh, plenty of NFL headlines and more SEC discussion common. coming up on Tuesday for Outkick 360
0: Read this and we don't block the box. Please, please lock your
1: locks.